Knock, knock. Who's there? Memoirs of a Modern Marriage. Memoirs of a Modern Marriage who? Memoirs of a Modern Marriage.com. Oh, shit. You mean I can go to the site and request to be a guest? Fuck yeah. If you want to get in on this nonsensical conversation, hop onto our site and request to be a guest today. Bonus points if you're a furry couple. Also, don't forget to check us out on our social media sites. Links are in the description. Now get ready to start your week off meh. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Memoirs of a Modern Marriage. We are your hosts. My name is Dave. And I'm Liz. And today we are actually going to calm it down a little bit. Um, I would like to discuss um, the best way people cope with a loss of a loved one. Um, Now, as many of my listeners I uh, already know from social media, I had recently lost my father, um, and I will be more than happy to tell the story of our journey, because it is kind of a story. Um, so, um, and uh, Liz has some stories that she wants to tell about loss as well. So that's what the uh, theme of today's episode is going to be. It's kind of a downer. Kind of a downer, but uh, we hope that uh, everybody, you know, listens and maybe finds some way to find closure in what we say. Um, You know, there's a lot of people out there that have experienced loss that can't really, you know, find a way to make peace with the world. So... Uh, I'm going to go ahead and, um, just start off with kind of like my journey and the story begins, um, basically when I was about seven or eight years old, um, my mom married this man, um, and his name was Frank. He's, uh. He was a stepfather of mine, and um, he did what stepfathers do, you know, at least back in the early 90s. Mm, not all of them. Not all of them, but the tip of, the stereotypical stepfather, that was him. You know, we were not his kids, so he didn't care, you know. Um, you know, he would beat us and he would beat my mom. And I mean, he was just an all around asshole, but he did have this one friend and his name was Stanley and Stanley was, he was an okay guy. I mean, not excluding him from the dick world, but he was a much better, a much better human being than Frank was. Um, well, Stanley and Frank would go out a couple times a week and, you know, find metal to scrap and stuff like that. Because we lived in not the greatest neighborhood. It wasn't the worst neighborhood. But, like, you know, 
I don't even want to say it was like hood, but the only thing that made it hood was my family. Like my family was the hood mm-hmm. <laughs> on that street. Um, but it was like, you know, a uh, lower middle class to lower class, you know, uh, style neighborhood, you know, blue collar people just kind of worked for what they had, unless you were my family. <clears throat> well, um, they would go out scrapping a couple times a week and, um, Frank, I remember, I think it was like a, a Friday and Frank and Stanley left and about 20 minutes after they left, Frank came rushing in the house as fast as he could. And he was speaking so fast that nobody could, you know, nobody could understand what he was saying and he was crying and, um, well, the story basically is that, um, they went to the bar that was right next to our house and there was a hanging power line from a, you know, power line place, (laughs) (laughs) you know, a telephone pole basically, uh, that was behind the bar. Um, and that bar is like literally right next to my house. So they didn't go very far. Um, but they spent the night drinking anyway, so they were kind of three sheets to the wind when they went out and did this anyway. So, um, Frank came in and he's crying, he's, he's blubbering about something and we didn't know what. Um, and then he calmed down and he said, Stanley grabbed the wire without gloves. And I tried to stop him. And when I touched him, it went into me and I had to break free. I couldn't get him off of the wire. Well, he grabbed the wire and basically cooked himself because he forgot to put on 5,000 watt gloves. Um, and I guess a lot of that can be attributed to him drinking, you know, not remembering to grab them or whatever. Maybe they thought it was a dead line. I don't know. Um, but, um, that was one of the first times I actually experienced death. And, um, did you guys go over and see him? Like the body? I seen him. Oh, yeah. Creepy. Yeah. And my sisters swear that the house was haunted by him and all this other shit. I, again, skeptical Dave. I never believed it. Um, but you know, that was the first time I experienced death and there, there had been, you know, you just, you hear about things in passing, like, you know, you have a distant cousin that passed away or you have like an aunt or an uncle that passed away or, you know, somebody else's parent passed away, but you never know it until you see it firsthand, at least as a child, you know, you understand the concept of death, but you don't know death for until you see it firsthand. And I, I seen it firsthand. Um, well, some years later, um, my mom and Frank, they divorced life went on. My mom ended up, uh, going to a, uh, a drug rehab facility. 
Now, this is kind of leading up to me losing my father. So full disclosure, at this point, I don't even remember who my dad was. He left when I was so young and he had moved um, to a different state. And it was it was um, assumed that he went to Florida. That was an I you know, the idea is that but nobody really knew because when he left, he dropped all ties. He just. You know, nobody knew where he went. Um, so fast forwarding back to where I was in the story. Um, I moved in with my aunt after my mom went to the drug rehab facility. Um, and that's a story within itself. I'll tell it another day. But I moved in with my aunt. And it was actually my mom's aunt, so my great aunt. Um, so she was an older woman, you know, and she was married to a man uh, who had a very aggressive stroke and left his body basically to be an invalid. So the trade off for me living there was I had to help her with him, which I didn't mind. You know, my uncle was a great guy, you know, he was kind of cool. You know, in his own way. I mean, once you understood what he was saying, mm-hmm. he was actually kind of cool, you know? Yeah. Um, like, uh, but they were both in their, you know, uh, late 60s, early 70s. And I stayed with them for three years. And the, during the time that I was there, um, her sister, my Aunt Betty, who I was very close to, um, she overdosed on insulin on purpose. Um, I mean, nobody really knows why exactly she decided to do that, but that woman has been my champion. Um, and that could be a story for another time too. Um, but, um, she was a badass woman too. Like, she would, she was, she was rich, but she'd fight you, you know, <laughs> out in the parking lot, <laughs> you know, like that's who she was, you know, she was, uh, she was a, a, a scrapper. A, yeah. She was a scrapper. I mean, they had to be. And, uh, you know, she didn't take any shit from anybody until the end. And then she just couldn't handle it anymore. And she pumped herself full of, uh, insulin and overdosed from it. Um, well, inevitably, you know, my, my aunt, um, she had been married for a very long time to, uh, my uncle Jim and the stroke eventually turned into dementia and, you know, she really questioned you know, her sanity a lot of times, you know? Yeah, I feel that. Yeah. She, she questioned her sanity a lot of times living with that because, um, you know, I don't know how many of my listeners or Liz and I's listeners out here actually like have dealt with somebody with dementia, but it, it's consuming. It, I, helped with my grandma who had dementia and then it turned into full blown Alzheimer's and I lived with her to help take care of her. And 
It's not easy. I mean, no, it's very consuming. Yeah, and it, it's tiring. It's mentally exhausting. It's emotionally exhausting. So I, I mean, so we had my my uncle who was basically a full blown invalid, with the exception of like the uh, with the exception of the occasional, uh, you know walk to the bathroom, you know, if, if there was a walk to the bathroom, trust and believe that like there would be like somebody supporting him because if he fell over, it was over. Yeah. You know, uh, for the most part, he sat in a wheelchair all day. Uh, he, you know, and it was in the kitchen. So it would be like, you know, he'd be watching, there was a little TV that we kept in the kitchen and he would sit there and watch that all day. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I can't imagine how the man must have felt like, you know, in his in his clarity. I don't I can't imagine that would have been, you know, any kind of a picnic to not be able to get up and just do whatever you want, whenever you want. Yeah. Your mind was still there, you know, until mm-hmm. the dementia hit. And then, you know, <laughs> but eventually, um he kind of bruised up uh, on his leg. He he got like a cut on his leg, and it bruised up, and it turned basically into uh, gangrenous. You know, my aunt tried to tried to keep it clean, but mm-hmm. she couldn't. It just turned gangrenous, and uh, then it uh, turned into sepsis, mm-hmm. and that you know the septic blood traveled to his heart, and it killed him. You know, um, and my aunt, um, she didn't make it much longer after that. Yeah. Um, she ended up, uh, finding out she had lung cancer and she did not, she hadn't smoked at that point in over 30 years, you know, and, um, the cancer took her quick. Like, very, very fast. And it was, I mean, I can remember, like, she went to the hospital. And I spent maybe a week to a week and a half in the house (laughs) going to school. You know, she didn't want me at the hospital. Um, But I would go to school. I would, you know, come home. I, you know, I'd do all the things. And every once in a while, my Uncle Ray would, you know, stop in and say, you know, and see how things are going, make sure that I have groceries, stuff like that. But I was on my own, you know. Mm -hmm. And and then she passed. Like, she just, she passed in the hospital. I never got to see her. Um, But, uh... You know, it wasn't too long after that that I ended up going back to um, where my mom was living at the time, which was in South Carolina. And I I was there for like a year. And my mom, um, during that time, she had signed me out of school. And basically, basically told me that I needed to get a job to stay with her. Um, 
because she couldn't, you know, she wasn't making enough to support both her and I. And it was actually me that she was collecting welfare on. So, like, <clears throat> on top of that, I had to have my own job and support myself, but give her half of my paycheck every week. Well, um, at the point that I left my mother's house, I was uh, 17 years old. In the state of South Carolina, when you're 17 years old, you're legally emancipated if you want to be. You don't have to stay at home. You can go. You can move out. Uh, but little did I know, or little did I care, maybe, I don't know, but you have to stay within South Carolina. I went back up to Ohio. Well, um, I stayed with a friend when I first got here, um, and it didn't work out, um, because I've learned over the years that if you stay with friends, you may not have a friendship afterward because, you know, of whatever. You know, you could be a good friend, um, but once you live with somebody, it's a completely different dynamic. Um, you get to see everything that you don't like about that person, and that comes out. And so... I ended up leaving that place, and from there I became homeless. <clears throat> um, I had nowhere else to go, so I would stay at friend's house some nights. I would stay. Um, there have been a couple of times I had a buddy who who uh, rented a garage um, to work on vehicles, and he let me stay on his cot a couple of nights and I would sleep under a bridge and I would, you know, and then finally I met a buddy, um, who allowed me to move in with him. And I, I, of course I took it. Um, but that didn't last too long. So I ended up on the street again and then I found out, like, uh, what was it? Um, this trailer park that I was hanging out in, one of the parents, um, they thought I stole something from them, so they called the police on me. And that, I was still 17 at the time, so they issued um, a runaway, you know, they, they, they were trying to say that I was a runaway. Which in the state of South Carolina, I was not, but not in the state of Ohio. The state of Ohio technically was. <clears throat> well, um, I met another friend who said, you know, I have an efficiency apartment. You can come and crash at my place, um, you know, until, you know, things kind of blow over. So I did. I, I, and, but it was way out of town, out of the way of everything. I hid out there until I turned 18 years old. Um, when I turned 18 years old, it wasn't too much longer after that that I moved in with another buddy. And it was, uh, there that I found out that my mother had died. And she died, um, I believe it was September of that year of 2000. Um, well, 
Uh, I don't know if uh, people know this about me, but I actually do not like my mother too much. Um, you know, and suffice to say, she wasn't a very good parent. Um, you know, so I cried for maybe five minutes over her. You know, uh, I went down to South Carolina uh, to see her off, but that was the end of it. Um, she uh, she didn't get a whole lot of uh, respect out of me, unfortunately, as far as like, you know, um, paying them. But I, uh, I then kind of moved forward a little bit. Um, from there, uh, I came back up to Ohio, you know, and then, um, it was the following year, 2001, that I started talking to my dad. Uh, my family found him somehow. And one day, um, I was given his phone number. So, you know, I called him and, you know, he kept, he kept saying, you know, come on down, you know, come down to, you know, I live in Florida, come on down, you know, you're welcome here anytime. So, so one day, you know, I, I, uh, hit some unfortunate, uh, you know, unfortunate and rocky waters. So, you know, I ended up just picking up and moving down to Florida. And when I got down there, um, it was very welcoming at first. And I got to meet my dad for the first time since, we'll say I was, you know, four years old. Like I said, I really don't remember him too much from when I was a kid. But I met him. And, you know, um, I lived down there for a year. Um, And I basically, like, you know... I tried to, I tried to express how I felt to him and everything, you know, but like, I could tell you, I hung out with the man, maybe a grand total of six or seven times in the entire year that I was down there. I've seen him every day. I've seen him in passing every day, but it would always, we never actually just got to hang out and, you know, not really knowing your dad and everything. You really want that relationship with him, especially when you're 20 years old, you know, I mean, it's not. It's not really like something that you know unless you're in that position. If you've never met your father and you've always been told that he was this great guy, but one day he just left, you know, and everything, you feel like, you know, you need to know this guy, you know. Um, You know, when you grow up in a household where they just kind of, you know, treat you differently because you don't have a dad, you know, they, they constantly remind you that your father left you, you know, having that relationship is wonderful, you know, and like, even if it was just a little bit, you know, it's not something that I took lightly, but I you know, as time went on, I felt less and less welcomed at that house um, because I was living with his family now, you know, 
this was the family that he married into. And this was, you know, his, he, he had, you know, five stepdaughters, you know, and that was, that was his family. And I came in and I was the intruder. So I ended up meeting somebody and we, we moved back to South Carolina together and she got pregnant and then we got married. And, you know, her and I, we spent time moving, you know, back and forth from Florida to South Carolina um, but one day we just didn't, you know, we split up and I ended up <clears throat> moving back up to Ohio. I always somehow end up back here. Um, so I married somebody almost immediately after her and I divorced and this person and I, we went to high school together. We dated for, you know, a little while back in high school and just, um, you know, about two years into our relationship, we ended up, you know, uh, having a, uh, having my second child. Well, my daughter's name was Karen and, um, I may bring her up from time to time, but she was, Alive, and she was alive for 16 days. And she ended up being, um, you know, determined, you know, they, they had, you know, no real cause of death. They, you know, they ruled it as SIDS. Um, they said, you know, that there was, you know, she just forgot to breathe one night. And, um, but the, the kicker to that whole thing is she was on my chest when she died. We were sleeping on a chair as innocently as a father and a daughter, you know, could be, you fall asleep on the recliner, you know, holding your baby. Everybody does it when they're exhausted, you know? Um, but I discovered her. Um, at about, you know, 2 a.m., um, I woke up because, you know, I was, it was like freezing cold on my chest, you know, and I picked her up and, you know, I realized that she wet herself and I put her down and I went to go change her, but she wasn't fussing and she wasn't crying and I was still in kind of like a twilight, but as soon as I noticed those things, I put my finger under her nose and she wasn't breathing. So I, in a panic, I picked up my phone and I called 911 and the, you know, the dispatcher said, do I know child CPR? And I did not. She said, does anybody in the house know child CPR? And I said, yeah, I think, I think her mother does. So I went upstairs to grab her mother and 
I woke her up and the first words out of her mouth when she woke up was, what did you do? And those words have haunted me because I didn't know if I did anything, you know? And I mean, all I know is that I had a child that, you know, was unresponsive. And so I went, uh, you know, she, she went down and she started uh, administering CPR and I stayed on the line with 911 until the ambulance got there. And, um, it wasn't long after that, um, you know, within, within a minute they were there. Um, and we went to the hospital and they, um, they pronounced her dead at the hospital. But she was, she was gone long before that. She was losing color at the house. Well, you know, and for two weeks after that, I had to deal with losing friends. I had to deal with, you know, people who I thought were good friends you know, telling everybody around them that I, I did it, you know, so I've lost a lot of good friends that way. And after the coroner report came back, they said that there was no signs of asphyxiation. There was no signs of, you know, trauma. And, you know, I mean, there was a, there was a police investigation and everything. I mean, whenever, whenever there's a death, there's always a police investigation and then I just, you know, I kind of mentally shut down after that. And, you know, um, I had, you know, kind of went into like, you know, almost like a transient state where I didn't want to deal with anybody. I didn't want to talk to anybody, you know, Inevitably, that um, two years after that ended my second marriage, we split up. Now, I'm not saying that that was what ended our, you know, our marriage. We actually just weren't right for each other. But the funeral for my my daughter, um, my family paid for my dad to come up here. And my dad had not been to Ohio since I was four years old. So he came up here and he spent time with me that day. And, you know, that was, I, I can honestly say that was probably the longest time I've spent with him the entire time I've known him. But he ended up going back to Florida. And after uh, me and my ex split. Um, I actually just kind of, um, bumbled around a little bit, you know, um, I, uh, dwelled a lot on, you know, the loss of my daughter and it sent me into a really big depression. I ended up getting a job as a taxi driver and, um, I, heard about this place that, you know, if, you know, you can, you can rent to own, you know, 
this trailer. And I thought, well, that'd be okay, you know. And I tried to be independent, you know. I tried to live on my own, but that um, quickly became a problem because, you know, uh, when I was a taxi driver, um, I was never home and I never made any money, you know, like all my money would go back into the gas tank, you know, and, uh, I would never wish taxi driving on anybody, not unless you live in a big city, but, um, I moved from there on to, um, you know, I moved in with a friend and I started to get my life back together a little bit. Well, um, my, uh, my sister, Rachel, she ended up passing away. Um, Rachel had kind of taken the path of my family, you know, and, um, you know, some childhood trauma led to alcoholism and alcoholism just destroyed her body. And one day she took a sleeping pill and chased it with vodka and it shut down her upper respiratory system. She was only a year older than me. Well, I went down for her, um, her funeral and, um, it wasn't long after that, that I ended up just moving to South Carolina. Um, so, you know, um, I lived in South Carolina for a little while and then Liz and I, we started talking and, um, I ended up making my way back here. Um, and her and I got together and, um, you know, I've kind of, you know, um, her family has become my family and, um, you know, like her mom, Liz's mom was one of the coolest people. Like when I first got up here, you know, she wasn't like timid at all to meet me or anything like that. You were nervous because you said that you had never been with anybody whose family liked you. So like, right. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was almost like refreshing or disarming. I don't know exactly <laughs> how to, you know, articulate that, but like, you know, maybe it was refreshing and disarming. It was weird. Yeah. It was strange. Strange and unusual. But yeah. And we've kind of, you know, her mom has been a big part of our life. I mean, like an unusual part of our life. <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, we, you know, had this, you know, any other parent child relationship, you know, with her, you know, she was either too much in our business or, you know, <laughs> always too much in her business. <laughs> and we're talking about her in the past tense because she did pass away last year. Yeah. And she, you know, she was, she was a mom, you know, she was a mom to everybody. And I think that's what was so intriguing about her. Um, she was probably one of, uh, 
the kindest hearted people you'd ever meet. Everybody was her kid. Yeah. Everybody was her kid. And like, I don't know if you want to get into specifics on that. Not terribly unless you wanted to. I was just going to say that like, so everybody knows that our birthdays are back to back. She died on your birthday last year. Yeah, she died on mine. Day after my birthday. And we got a phone call. What was it about? 3.30 in the morning. Yeah. We had just gone to sleep. And uh, we got a phone call that she was gone. And, like, my first thought was, because my mom was kind of a drama queen. She was. <laughs> and, like, I don't know if you've even ever heard this story, but, like, one time when we were younger, I was in my early 20s, she had made dinner and it got burned a little. <laughs> <laughs> And we were kind of giving her a hard time. Like you do. Like we're smart asses. Yeah. Like our family, we're just, we're like that. We're assholes. Yeah. And uh, nothing mean, just kind of giving her a hard time about it. And she left. Like after dinner, we cleaned up the kitchen. And then like all of a sudden my mom wasn't there. And she she was upset because we were giving her a hard time about <laughs> burning dinner. I mean. And she just left. And <laughs> <laughs> so, like, when my brother called me and said, Mom's gone, I'm like, well, who pissed her off? <laughs> like, that was my first thought was, like, somebody pissed her off and she just went for a drive, you she know? She just left. But, uh, no, I could tell pretty quickly then that. That was not, uh, it was not that. Right. And, uh, so that was March of last year. Um, she had had COVID earlier uh, in the year in January. And, uh, we all think that it kind of kind of tied hand in hand with, she, you know, it exacerbated any issues that she had with her heart. And she had a massive, I don't, I don't know, massive, but she had a heart attack in her sleep. She died in her sleep. Yeah. So we, uh, I woke you up and I, I just remember like, and we went, we just went. Yeah. I just remember like, babe, you got to get up. Mm -hmm. My mom's dead. And you're like, the way you sat up, you're like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> like, that's not, I mean, and we went over to the house and, saw her before they took her away and yeah it was it was hard to you know it was hard to see and you know and then going past that it kind of it was it was almost like stripping the glue off of something because mm -hmm. she was the adhesive that held everybody together it's it's kind of crazy because you you weren't we weren't together when my grandparents were alive and it just seems like, you know, you're slowly are peeling an onion away. And my family is a lot different than yours. We were yeah. very close. Like, <laughs> yeah, as soon as we were able, we spread out. I mean, we were very close. We spent literally every holiday together, including like all the minor holidays. We ha we were together for dinner. You know, we were at my grandparents house almost every day. Like, I spent the night at my grandparents' house. You know, we were kind of like that wholesome family. But it seems like once my grandparents both passed away, 
which I was in my late 20s when that happened. I mean, I didn't really go through loss like you did at a young age, you know, I mean, great grandparents and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, I lost my grandparents almost so early that I barely remember them. (laughs) You know, my my grandmother on my dad's side, I mean, I remember her fondly. But I was not around them for, you know, for a while. And I learned that they passed away. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of secondhand, you know, like yeah. that's going back to what I was saying earlier this episode where like, you know, you you hear about a distant cousin passing away, you know, and, or you hear about this or that. And, you know, it's it's not so close to home. But it's. I mean, don't get me wrong. And like you were surprised when I told you I had relationships with my great grandparents. Like yeah. I, w- I was close with my great grandparents who were still around, too. Yeah. Um. So I think it's a little bit different, though, at that age, because, you know, they're older. Right. Um. Trust me, when my grandparents both passed, like. <laughs> I was destroyed, but yeah. like I said, it wasn't fair. I was I was too young to lose my grandparents, <laughs> and here I am in my like late twenties, you know. Right, right, and a lot of people lose their grandparents when they're a teenager, or you know, yeah. even younger, or don't even know them. Right. Um. So mm-hmm. yeah, that <laughs> definitely. I mean, if you have if you build that relationship though with with somebody. Um, it doesn't matter what age you are, yeah. you know, because it's still going to hit, it's still going to hit hard. And I know? think that's something like last year, like after, you know, we went to the house, you know, when my mom passed and we came home and I think I just got in bed. Yeah. I laid in bed. You did. Yeah. <laughs> most of the day. And I was like, I'm too young to lose my mom. Like I'm, I still need guidance like i'm still have a child mind almost you know but yeah. but the thing is is like you know you can never be you know you you can never be prepared for this it doesn't yeah. matter if you were 20 40 60 you know you're never prepared for death and i think Two, um, I've mentioned in a couple episodes, I think that like last year was a throwaway year for me. Yeah. And that's why, because it happened in March and then like, I don't know. The rest of the year just kind of gave out. I just, I was surviving. Yeah. I wasn't, I mean, I feel like I was kind of going through the motions, you know, of things and, you know, you kind of have that guilt about doing things or having a good time or, you know, if that makes sense. It does. It does. I mean, I know it was a much different scenario when your mom passed. Yeah. And, but like, I was, I was still a baby. I felt, you know, because I would like sit on the couch and cuddle with my mom and yeah. In my, in my late thirties, you know? Yeah. And I mean, you know, when you have that relationship with your, you know, with your, your parent, you know, 
I mean, your mom loved you. <laughs> you know, your mom loved the hell out of you. And she would even tell you, we don't need anybody else. Let's just go live on a commune all by <laughs> yeah. ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that wasn't weird at all. I promise you. It was not weird. <laughs> But, um, so it was within the time that like, you know, um, Liz and I have gotten together that I had learned that my dad had cancer. Um, it was, you know, pretty early on in our relationship. We, uh, we had it was about moved a year in, and a half. Yeah. We had moved in, um, with her parents at that point. And I had learned that my dad had cancer and I struggled with it, um, you know, I did shed some tears over it, um, but then I kind of got proactive and I started like, you know, calling him and asking, you know, asking him to, you know, talk to me once a week, you know, and I would, I, I would <clears throat> help him by sending him like nicotine cessation products and, you know, uh, at this point, CBD was kind of big. So I, I sent CBD, which is, you know, has cannabinoids in it. And cannabinoids are, you know, uh, proven, you know, to help reduce, uh, the, you know, or help shrink cancer cells. Sorry. Yeah. And, um, so I would, you know, do my best to kind of, you know, help him. You know, and, you know, apparently at the same time, um, his his family down in Florida was doing the same thing. So he was getting all this support system, you know, and um, eventually within, a, you know, within a couple of years and some chemotherapy and some CBD and and all this other stuff, he effectively beat it. Yeah. Didn't they say like. He still had cancer, but it was so small they couldn't even like detect it. Yeah. Yeah. They couldn't detect it. Um, <laughs> so essentially he beat it. Um, but apparently not, you know, it, it was within the last few months, and, you know, that it just aggressively came back. And I, I do want to say that it had been a while since you talked to your dad. Yeah. It, at this point, it had been about two years. Um, because, you know, my dad wasn't much of a phone talker, but he couldn't even pick up the phone on my birthday to give me a call and tell me happy birthday. I would be the one to reach out to him and have him tell you, happy tell me birthday. happy birthday, you know, like, um, and I, you know, I felt like I was putting in all the effort mm -hmm. and not really reaping the benefit. Um, so you know, I stopped talking to him for almost two years. And, and then I learned that the cancer came back very aggressively. And it was all over his, you know, it throughout was his body. I it don't was everywhere. It. Yeah. It was everywhere. And um, so, you know, as soon as I got a, a call from my sister, um, she said that, you know, he was given a timeline and that's when I decided, and this was just a few weeks ago, I decided to drop everything and go down to Florida. Well, you weren't going to. I wasn't going to um, because I didn't think I could afford it, you know, and. You also, I don't want to make it sound like you were cold, but you were just kind of like, you know, 
we we really don't have much of a relationship. Yeah. And I said, if you don't do this, you're going to regret it. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I'm glad that you did tell me that because I went down there um, on money I didn't have. And I sat with him and it was like we didn't even skip a beat, you know. Uh, first thing he said to me was, you know, hey, it's nice to have some blood down here, you know. And, you know, that that made me feel wanted again, you know. Yeah. And uh, I sat with him and, you know, I let him FaceTime Liz and, you know, he threw her promises of, like, going swimming. Going, spending the day at the beach with yeah. me. Yeah, yeah, he threw promises of that. And I almost cried. <laughs> yeah, we knew that there wasn't much time left, and I know he knew, too. Yeah, and he was like, oh, you know, we'll have to plan a trip where you can come down, too, and we'll go to the beach and spend the day at the beach. And I was just like, okay. <laughs> like, everybody knows I cry. Yeah. I cry very easily. Yeah. But, I mean, I guess that's probably the best thing was just like, yeah, we'll go to the beach. And And I, you know, (laughs) I spent time with him and I headed back up to Ohio. And, you know, he uh, Father's Day came and I called him and I wished him a happy Father's Day because I knew it was going to be the last time I'd be able to tell him that. And, uh. You know, I I was able to get that. I was able to get my closure. I mean, when I was down there, I love dumped on him. You know, I told him everything, you know, and he let me, you know. Um, But at the end of the day, you know, he didn't make it. You know, it was last Monday. Which uh, today is the 4th of July, so happy Independence Day. Mm. But it was last Monday, and um, he he uh, he passed on in the morning. Um, I got a I got a phone call from my from my uh, stepsister, and I knew what it was immediately before I even answered the phone. I knew what it was. She wouldn't call me. Without texting me first. Yeah. Unless it was an emergency. So I answered my phone and um, she gave me the news and she was crying. And it wasn't much longer after that that, you know, um, that I got a phone call from the stepmom and then the other stepsister. And, um, you know, and I was at work when it happened. So I knew it wasn't going to be much longer um, before somebody got in, but I asked if somebody can come in early because I work retail and the first rude customer would probably have felt my wrath. So I left for the day and when I got home, I was in my head and then all of a sudden I just had an overwhelming urge to do yard work. Like this has never happened before. Like, but you know, I, I 
was I've been borrowing lawnmowers because mine needs repaired. <laughs> and uh, so I said, hell with it. And I went out and I just bought a lawnmower. Yeah, I was at work and you're like, I'm buying a lawnmower. It's bought. Yep, pretty I, much. I didn't ask. I just did. <laughs> yep. And I spent the rest of the day um, charging batteries and doing the lawn. And the, uh, and the next morning, yep. I spent doing the lawn and I'm still obsessing over it. Like I, You tried to cut it yesterday and it doesn't even need cut. You yeah. got mad when I was like, it's too short. to Like it's starting to brown because it's summer. <laughs> it doesn't need cut. And you're like, ugh. I did not growl. You did growl. It was not like, her. <laughs> Yar. I'm, I'm a pirate. <laughs> Yar. I'm a grass pirate. I'm a grass pirate. <laughs> oh, now I want to write that story. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, and that's uh, basically the story up until now. Um, that's how I've dealt with loss. Um, so, you know. We've I think kinda... that it's a lot different now. Because we're together, we're kind of a team. Yeah. You've got more support. I've got support. We're just a big old fucking support system. For each other. Yeah. Screw everybody else. I mean, <laughs> us against the world, right? Yeah. Um, But, you know, basically that's that's all I had to say today. Yeah, this is kind of a downer episode. It is. And... You know, I I hope somebody, you know, learns from it. If not, understands me a little better. I just, I don't think anybody ever really learns how to cope, you know? Yeah. You just do what I think feels right to you. Um, And I will say this, like, my way of coping is, like, probably really inappropriate because I just have my sarcastic jokes like yeah. i i'm a, i'm a dick you know like <laughs> i mean yeah i mean you find humor in the situation and it's how you level the playing field in your head yeah you know for me that's how i cope it's just you know yeah and me apparently it's yard work <laughs> i like that like you're productive i'm an asshole <laughs> <laughs> Like, and, I make inappropriate jokes and, like, but, I mean, I think that comes down to me being socially awkward, too. It it could, you know. Um, with, uh, with the loss of my daughter, um, I took therapy, you know. Um, but what really got me was the intake nurse when I first went in for my sessions. Um, she was pregnant. And... You know, I I requested for somebody else because, you know, what I had to say was about a child that passed yeah, away. A and, newborn. Yeah. And she's <laughs> over here carrying and, you know, I didn't want to upset anybody and it made me feel uneasy. And she 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 said, no, no, it's it's totally fine. I'm like, yeah, but it's not for your mental health. It's for mine. Yeah. Well, you know. I can understand, too, like, they're in the medical profession. They realize, you know, shit you're going to hear may not. But for you, it was awkward and inappropriate. And And that's really what it boiled down to. It wasn't for her clarity. It was for mine, you know? 
because she is pregnant or was, you know, and, you know, I'm talking about the loss of a 16 day old child, you know, um, but, um, it wasn't the therapy that got me through it. You know, somebody told me once that I just needed to be sad. You don't ever get over it. You just learn to live with it. And eventually that's what happened. You gave me that same advice last year Mm -hmm. because I mean, I would just like, I don't know. I think I've tried to hold it in after a couple weeks. Yeah. And you're like, you're, and I was like, does it ever get easier? And you're like, it gets easier, but it's still going to hurt. It's just, you learn to live with that. Yeah. And I don't even know if it's easier. It's just, you learn to live with that. Yeah. Pit, that hole, you know, going through life, going through life with the information that you have inside of you gets easier. I will say this for me, um, you know. The first year was rough because it's a lot of firsts, you know, it was everybody's birthdays, holidays, mother, like last Mm -hmm. Mother's Day. Remember, I was just angry. Yeah. Like I went to fucking fight somebody. Right. And leading up to the one year anniversary, you know, you're dealing with all of these like firsts. The last first was my birthday. Yeah. So I think that it was the anxiety and that anticipation of like all of these firsts getting out of the way. And I feel not like it doesn't bother me still because obviously I'm sitting here crying, but it did make it a little bit easier because it's not so much in the back of your head like, oh, this is the first mother's day without mom, you know, this is the first 4th of July without mom, you know, because it's constantly in the back of your head. So I think that that kind of that one year getting through, you know, everything yeah, kind of helped. And if that makes sense, it makes perfect sense. And like I said, you know, it's that anxiety, like checking off. It's like a checklist of Mm -hmm. all these firsts. My birthday was the last one. And then it was, one year and now you've also unofficially switched your birthday <laughs> unofficially switched my birthday to my birthday yeah because uh, legally speaking my birthday is still the same <laughs> however i celebrate my birthday a day earlier yeah so um but yeah um we all cope in different ways um there is no real answer to that no you know In losing somebody, you're never prepared for it. You know, even if you are and you think you are and you see somebody and you're like, oh, man, you know, it's, you know, with my dad knowing that he had the aggressive cancer, Mm -hmm. you know, it still wasn't easy to hear the words. He's gone. I think you and I lean on each other a lot, though. We do. In times of trouble. We do. And it is, you know, an unfortunate inevitable that everybody dies. So Elon Musk 
<laughs> if you can go ahead and work with Mark Zuckerberg. I'm not uploading my conscience. <laughs> in getting this whole, you know, loading your consciousness into AI technology. Um, I will be one of the first guinea pigs. I do not trust either one of those men. I know. I don't either. And that's kind of <laughs> why I want this to happen, because they seem like the type that would do that. Yeah. In fact, I think Zuck's already been working on some of that kind of technology. He's already a robot. <laughs> like, I mean, right. Come right. on. Come on. Like, but, but yeah, so when the inevitable happens, just take me from the shell of a body and upload my consciousness into a computer and I'll live forever. And I'm fine with that. Don't do that to me. What? You don't want me to like pop up on a screen and be like, nice boobs. <laughs> oh my God. What if it's like Knight Rider? <laughs> oh my God. I can load into the car and we're like, <laughs> like this is, this song sucks. <laughs> I'm going to change it to Andrew Jackson Jihad. Why are you driving 20 miles over the speed limit? <laughs> I want to drive fast. <laughs> it, which is See, an actual think, conversation we have when I'm driving. I think Computer Dave would be much more fun. No, I think he'd be a prick. Hmm, be the like, search history on your phone says that you're looking for other men. We know what I Google, and it is not other men. <laughs> I Google some weird shit, but it's mostly, you know, my question that I can't seem to find an answer to, but it bothers me. Yeah, like, can spiders see color? Like, what? No, no, that's not my one question that nobody can answer. I'm not saying that it is. I'm just saying that's the type of shit that you fucking look it up. It is. Yeah. That or like super paranoid shit. Like, like does grasshoppers remember? <laughs> you know, like what? It's it's like weird shit. Like, okay, the one question I want answered that nobody can seem to answer for me. Do butterflies remember being caterpillars? Yeah, that is. It Liz's. keeps me up at night. Like, I have, like, you know that meme of, like, Charlie from It's Always Sunny, where he's, like, working in the mailroom, and it's like... Yeah. I have, like, that thought process going on in my head about, like, the... <laughs> the fucking, you know, but... Pepe! You know, Pepe, Pe Pepe Silva doesn't work here. <laughs> Pepe Silva, it doesn't even exist. <laughs> Yeah. But like that's the kind of stuff I look up and like super paranoid shit about like how fast I have to be going to a hydroplane because I'm afraid of it. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so, yeah. Uh, so that's really all I have for today. Now that we've like put everybody in like a funk. Yeah. I hope uh, somebody's kind of, you know, enjoyed this episode. Um you know and maybe learn something from it so um we uh will promise to have a better episode next week uh until then my name is dave and i'm liz and this is memoirs of a modern marriage we'll see you next week see ya mm -hmm.